Good morning, Browns fans. This is the A to Z podcast. I am Zach Jackson. He is Andre Knott. You can find us at A to Z podcast.com, Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. This show, as always, is presented by our friends at the Honeymoon Grill at Scene and at American Fireworks, AmericanFireworks.com. Uh, we get excited. We venture into mature slash immature subjects. We don't follow a script. So if you're offended by four-letter words or have kids around or in a work environment, please put on your earbuds or just come back at another time because we don't want anyone to ever get in trouble for listening to A to Z. And we appreciate each and every one of you who do listen to A to Z, who spread the gospel and things like two hands to catch the football. Good morning, Andre. Good afternoon, Zach. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I've, been I'm good. Base- I've been dodging baseballs thrown by one Trevor Bauer. So far, <laughs> so- I'm safe. So that happened yesterday in a weird window for me. Uh, the Browns have camp in the morning, as most of you following along probably know. So that means interviews and, and things, and then my writing time follows in the early afternoon. So I was driving home. It happened in a time before I was listening to the game. I almost always listen to Hammy as I drive, as you know. So I wasn't on Twitter, and I didn't – you know, then I was in the car for 45 or so minutes, so I didn't know what happened. I didn't know I even – it had, it had to cut you off real quick. I just said it would have been prime time to listen. I don't know what Hammy said during it, but I can only imagine. Well, so I would have been. A... <laughs> we'll put it this way. <laughs> I know he, I know he had he a lot to me. say after. I don't know what he said during <laughs> after. He had a lot right. to say after. <laughs> I know he texted me during the game, and when I get texted during the game from Hammy, it's usually he's ready to. Yeah, no, yeah. I keep going. I just want to hear this. Keep going. Yeah. This is good. So. So I didn't know what happened, and then even when I saw it, it's one of those things I didn't have context on, and I try not to be an immediate hot take artist. Um, but it was similar to something I had seen at Browns camp, and it's not something that's going right. to land in the self-awareness Hall of Fame. Um, it right. did seem rather selfish and childish, and, and I'm assuming you can provide some context uh, both during and then specifically <laughs> after. <laughs> Hold on, I, like, I got so much stuff kicking me to the fight. Stop it. <laughs> Stop punching people. Stop punching people. Hey, this, this is going to be on the podcast, which we're just being talked about. Go ahead. You keep going. Keep going. I'm listening. AJ just get, AJ's learning how to punch, and punch people, and it's not going well. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you get on the A to Z podcast. You never know who might stop by. You never know who might stop by. AJ, the karate kid, is currently out. Hey, man, by the way, I'm glad we're talking about this. I need some new athletic hats, man. My wife's been wearing my one athletic hat. So between you and Zach Meisel, man, I need a new hat. All right, let's continue along. So you're driving along. Trevor Bauer just throwing the ball 400 feet. He became uh, internet fodder after, uh, what is my man, Chad Thomas or whatever, told everybody he was number one. What a day in Cleveland sports. Yeah. I was like, come on, Trevor, we're trying to argue about kickers here, and you're trying to steal the Twitter spotlight. (laughs) What he does. But he does. It's all about his brain. So what was the fallout? Well, he, he pitched like crap. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was, he's been sick. He was sick all road trip. Um, that's no excuse. We've all been there. I'm not making excuses for Trevor. Uh, let me say that first. Um, I have texts with Trevor since we've got home from this trip. Um, he's contrite. He's embarrassed. He's embarrassed because for everything – that he tries to be and everything he tries to claim, you can't do that. And I and, and like and I hear people and look, I'm I'm not an apologist for Trevor. I know Trevor well. 
Um, I want Trevor to do well because I think he is a good person. His heart's in the right place, but you can't act like a 10-year-old jackass uh, when you're a professional. Uh, he's aware of that. Um, I don't even, I don't like talking bad about him because I think there's just so much more to Trevor than what is for me to say out loud uh, acceptable. Um, I think all of us that know Trevor the way I know Trevor, I think for all the days where he can be a complete, immature, pompous ass, uh, we, we cheer for him more than we cheer go against him. And I think that's what he needs to learn and has to understand about his situation and where he's at in baseball is that it's not all about him. And no matter how much, you know, he wants to, you know, no matter how much he wants to put his brand out there and things like that, he's got to figure out the focus of what's most important in life. And it's not acting like a 10 year old, like he did yesterday. And I know he's contrite. Um, it's embarrassing. It's probably, it's not going to change trade trade talks. I heard people tell me even before he started, there's just organizations that didn't want him and didn't want to deal with him. And we've talked about um, that for six it, months now, right here on this podcast. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> and the thing is that he has to understand it. And I think he does understand this. And I think that's why he was so contrite yesterday is that he realizes that he's got the, he's probably has no matter for all the crap he talks about wanting the one year, the one, the one, the one year deals and things of that nature. He has to realize that Cleveland is the blessed place for him. He wouldn't be where he's at and be thought of the way he's being thought of without Cleveland accepting some of the rituals and some of the things he's done. And I think, and you can be completely honest, and I can end on this in the weird Trevor Bauer way. I feel like he did that because he doesn't want to be traded. I don't think he initially made that decision. But I'm going to keep this ball 500 feet and make a complete ass of myself and be. Because here's the thing: the people that, and I get the people that say, "Oh, so what." Blah, 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 this or blah, 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 did this. That's fine and dandy. But what pisses off organizations, and I can tell you because I was there, is that not only is it embarrassing when you have Tom Hamilton going off, not only embarrassing him, we got to figure out what we can and cannot show. Not only is it embarrassing that now, you, now his teammates have to answer for him again for something stupid he did, but then as a team, the team went five and two on a road trip. They go five and two on all the rest of their seven game road trips, seven game road trips. They're going to the playoffs, and they're going to probably win the division. That was a great road trip. Yes. When we got on the plane, when we got on the plane and got on the bus, it felt like we got our ass kicked for seven games because it's overriding, it's overbearing. You go in the clubhouse last night, like it just it just put a bad taste on it. What should have been a good flight, win, lose, or draw, it was a bad loss. But win, lose, or draw, we had a flight yesterday that felt like a Browns trip back in 08, 05, <laughs> or 09. With no Popeyes. And with, with no Popeyes. And it should not have been that. And that was taken away because one guy thought he was bigger than the team. And I, so I see so many people on Twitter and everybody, oh, so what? Are you doing? But see, it's not like that. Mike Freeman almost pissed his pants. Do you want to do like, there's just certain things that just, and, I, and look, this isn't the beat up on Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, like to me, the whole thing was this. He's like everybody's little brother on that team. We all get it. We all know how he is. We all don't fall in love with him. We just, he's your little brother. And I literally think that he may not have did it initially. And he may go do his own momentum videos. And he may get pissed at me for saying this, and that's fine. That's how we are. He knows how I truly feel about him. But I just think this is the reaction from all this trade talk, from all the, the radio people in New York. I think that was an outburst of him really knowing he needs to stay in Cleveland because Cleveland is taking care of him. And I think this team and, – and, and look, I hear, like, national guys like Ken Rosenthal who writes for the Athletic. I respect Ken. And they talk about how he leads Shane Beaver and he leads Mike Clevenger. They laugh at him. No, they listen to him because he's a teammate. And they want him – and they want 
him to be successful. They want to be successful, but leadership for Trevor is a hard word to put upon him because of moments like this. And like I said, to me, it was like a little brother just having an outburst. It was like my son having an outburst. And then the last thing I'll say is, then we get on the plane. Everybody tries to forget about it. But every TV, they set up our TVs on the plane. Every TV is either on ESPN or it's on MLB. And it's already... And it's already 45 minutes, an hour and a half after the game. I've already had a million texts from you and, and every other Tom, Dick, and Harry. Even my wife. My wife loves Trevor. My, she, Trevor has been great at giving to my, my, my wife's organizations, but not only giving money, but just giving time to kids um, with special needs. So my wife, has a, and my wife is texting me saying, hey, go give Trevor a hug. And I'm like, and, I'm, and I'll admit, I told her, I, I told her F them right now. But we get on the plane. Every TV is on ESPN and MLB. And what's the first thing every guy has to see after we just went through an hour and a half of just the, the, all the shenanigans that went along with it? And then you got to see it on TV all night. So it'll be, you know what? They're off today. It's great that they're off today. The greatest thing about Tito, and I'll give Tito this, people don't have to like him. People can say whatever they want. They don't have to like his lineups. But I can tell you this, and this is why he's great. And he's great whether they win or lose because this is who he is. Halfway through the flight, I'm half awake, half asleep, half faking it because I don't want to talk to anybody. And I open my eyes, and he's standing over me. <laughs> and and he says, hey, Dick, you awake? Kind of like Geek would do to one of us. Right. <laughs> and I look up, and I go, kind of, why? And he goes, what did you hear me say? I go, what I heard you say was scary, and I was worried that we were going to rush you to the hospital. And he goes, yeah, I worried myself too. And he goes, and how the hell did you, find, how the hell did you hear me? I go, I'm a reporter first, Tito. I go, but I didn't report it. <laughs> and I go, I didn't report it on air. And I go, I just, I go, I could have told him with the security guards. Hey. He go, man, that was Indian shirt. That was it. Did I get, is it the wind take over? Yeah, the wind, yeah, the wind is catching you a little bit, just so you know. So Okay. All right, I'm good to know. Um, but basically, I just told him, yeah, he scared, he, it was scary to hear Tito yell and scream the way he did. Yeah. And he admitted it scared him. But well, that's where we're at right now. <laughs> Those are some um, incredible insights. I, I think it's spot on. Um, first thing I'm going to do tonight is drive over to your house and drop off one of our Shit Your Pants Larry Nance shirts to give to Mike Freeman because that's exactly what he did <laughs> on the island. You know, everybody, was, everybody was punching him when we walked to the clubhouse for two for punching. I mean, see, and like when I was trying to explain to Jen, I was like, okay, it's not that bad, but you think his teammates want to be out there and not be mocked by the world because they're flinching because a guy may have thrown a ball? Or how about a Mercado? Mercado's playing his ass off, doing everything he can, and his asshole's going to throw a ball over my head in, in center field? Right. Like it's, and then he threw and he threw one at the Kansas City bench. I love Trevor. Yeah. I do. It was, well, listen, it was ridiculous. You, you said, you know, there's more to Trevor, right, than, than meets the eye, or maybe more than a lot of guys. Right. The fact and is, we these said are that all last human beings. Po- and we, said that, right, we said that last podcast before this even happened. Well, right. These guys are all human beings, right? Um, despite all the money they make or all the attention they have. But the bottom line is they're out there for what they do, and that's when they're in the public eye. And when you do that, then your defense of people don't understand me all of a sudden goes right to the shitter, right? Because everybody's watching you. You're in public. Your manager's walking out there, and you do that. And then every label, all of a sudden, how can you argue with it, right? It's a, it's a right. brain-dead moment. It's, it's a brain-dead yes. moment. And it's just one and he is young, and he has time to – he should feel like shit, right? I think you summed that up. I'm not going to – I wasn't there. Yeah. I didn't see it till three hours later. I got nothing else to say on it, but um, appreciate your insights on that. Um, 
because it was a wow thing. <laughs> and I just was, I could not wait when I was listening to Hammy the last 20 or so minutes of my drive to get home and look up on Twitter and see exactly what happened. <laughs> because oh, he was... off his lawn what is not even doing justice to the way he was describing no. it. <laughs> I can only imagine. I I wanted it for a minute to turn him on to listen to it. And I was like, nah, he, his text told me all I needed to know. Yes. <laughs> 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 the best part was for me, and, and like, and I had talked to the New York Yankees scout that follows us, and there's a Philly scout that's been following us, and a couple others, and they ended up at a at a at a bar that I wasn't at, but some people I work at work with work with them, and it's funny what's put out there, and I know TA, you're a brilliant man when it comes to, to figuring out sports sometimes, but I can tell you because I'm talking to people that are actually making the decisions. The Yankees basically told me four days ago, five days ago, they haven't even made an offer for Trevor. And I've heard that from the Indian side as well. And, it's like, so uh, I, I can't wait till 4 o'clock Wednesday. Um, there's been talks, but I think the, the word that I keep getting from the Indians, from people that, are, that have talked to the Indians, the Indians want a ton for their best players, and they're not sure. just going to give them away. They're sure. not. So for all the – so there's very – for the teams that have what they can fit, they're not going to give away their whole farm system for a, you know a year and a half of Trevor Bauer. Hey, the wind is I, catching you so, again. The wind is catching you again. Okay, so. all right. I was just I just said the teams that do have what the Indians probably are asking for, they're they're not willing to give up half their farm system for Trevor Bauer, and rightly so. Yeah. Um. And, and you know it's like yeah, can Tre- is Trevor one of the best competitors of all time? Absolutely, he truly is, and I think this is going to make him better. And I think. I, I know it's weird to say, but I do think this is going to make the team better and it's going to make him better um, going forward. But everything I've heard trade-wise is that what the Indians are asking for scares most teams and they don't want to give that much up, and rightfully so. Um, you don't give a top-of-a-rotation guy. You just don't hand those guys away. Right. Um, Trevor or no Trevor, though, true or false, they need a bat. Mm, I mean, yeah, sure, but – they, had, they didn't have a bat for the last month and a half, and they've had the best record in baseball. Right. You know, like, it just comes – you know, like, I think that's easy to say. Sure, yeah. They, what team doesn't need a bat? Hell, the New York Yankees are on pace to have the most home runs ever. Did that stop them from getting Edwin? You know, like, like I, yes, I'll answer it. But at the same time, if they don't, um, in 2016, they had basically a five-man lineup, six-man lineup. It's just I hear it, but it's like it's not like it's over. But here's the thing: if they don't make a trade on Wednesday, that doesn't change their outlook. Hey, I mean, look at the guys they went and got last year, the last two years. It didn't change much. You know, Donaldson was still banged up. Uh, Jay, you just need guys to be hot, and you know, and Naquin. I'll, I'll say this: Naquin is the mo- is the biggest conundrum on the team. When he is healthy, he is a 300 hitter. He's hitting with power. He's got he's like second in the league in assists. But will he be healthy, and can he carry it out? That's why it would be tough for me if I'm the Indians because you have guys that are playing at a decent curve right now. But is this who they are, and can they hold it out? I think that's – and I don't know if they all can. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's always – because you're giving up something to make any kind of trade. Right. Right. And there's always a concern about chemistry, about future assets, about will that guy come in and do the job when you change his environment and put him in a new role. Right. You know? But I was, yeah, I'll tell you this: Mike Clevenger and Shane Bieber at the top of your rotation, uh, and the Bauer and, and Kluber are right come October. Nobody wants to mess with that either, because Clev is the, the the injury to Clev may be the the best thing for him, because he's going to be strong going the west rest of the way through, and he looks unbelievable right now. 
I don't know what Kluber is going to look like, uh, but I just think having a rotation of, of Clev and Bieber and Kluber or Bauer is going to be pretty damn – I don't think there's no team that can match that. I, and I think that's what the Indians have to look at right now. Sure, sure. Um, if they do have to go the one-game route, you have to feel good about who they would put out there versus whoever they would play, right? Right, Pitching right, wise. for sure. Um, and ideally, you don't want to have to go that route. Uh, so we'll see what happens because we know that the schedules are turning where uh, Minnesota in the next few weeks plays Fresno State and the Bad News Bears as the Indians have done previous three weeks. Right. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And that's going to be the conversation on the radio shows. And, and Lima, who thinks he brought baseball back, um, <laughs> even, though he, even, even, though, even though he can't get his name on his own show. Um, yeah. They got a tough part. The next, the next, I want to say, next 28 days, they're all against teams with winning records. And I think that's great. Um, and all those teams that they've already played, they ha- they've, they've held their own against. You know, they've won two out of three versus the Yankees. They've basically split with the Twins. Uh, Houston, they went two and two against. The Rangers, they won two out of three. So, yeah, uh, let's, let's bring them on. Let's, it's going to be an interesting month. Uh, because, yeah, the competition is a little different, but they've held their own against this competition. Sure, sure. Um, let's go to Berea. Um, you know, it's only been five days of camp, so good, bad, or indifferent, you're silly to jump to any conclusions. Um, I'll, before I dive into some thoughts on what I've seen and heard, I'll give you the daily Doug Deacon update. So, uh, at the end of practice on Sunday, yeah, Sunday, I believe anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the players kind of disperse. A lot of them go over to the friends and family areas where their wives, children, brothers, cousins, uh, friends, you know, kind of converge. Some immediately go in for treatment or lunch. Some kind of hang around and sign autographs forever. Almost everybody signs autographs, at least for a little bit, and credit to guys like Baker and Odell uh, for, for doing what they've done. But anyway, we're just kind of milling around. And um, I, needed to de- I needed to get a phone number for someone off of Deke, right? So I see him there. And, you know, the media is supposed to be behind a certain uh, zone. And Deke, obviously being Deke, he has a little carte blanche, right? He's a team employee. He played in the league for a long, long time. He's been around, so he's out talking to he's some Doug, people. He's, he's Doug bleeping Deke. Doug bleeping yes. Deke. He can go anywhere he wants. So anyway, I wait 10 or 15 minutes because he's talking to one of the coaches, a guy I don't recognize. Then then some people are around him, and it comes to a point where he's just kind of standing in the same spot, and three little kids are there. I mean, these kids are like six, seven years old, so – I go over and, uh, you know, it turns out it was just a dad who had sent the kids over to meet Doug Deacon, right? They didn't know who Doug Deacon was, but, you know, Deke's just natural talking with them, messing with them, asking them who they got autographs by, who their favorite players are, where they go to school, all of this stuff. And he looks at me and I say, hey, no big deal. You know, finish your thing. I just, I need to borrow you for five seconds. So he looks back at the kids and goes, hey guys, do you see this creepy old man right here? (laughs) He's such a bad reporter that he has to pay me $500 to ask one question. Do you believe that? (laughs) These kids are Uh, (laughs) He looks back uh, and he goes, so Mr. Creep, ask me whatever question you want to ask. (laughs) 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 So I'm like, God damn it, Deke. The only so thing anyway. I was about training camp. All right, I got I got a good one for you that I got to clean up, but I can tell. So um, one of our one of our how do I say this? I want to give it one of the guys that does stats first. Great guy. That is like two Saturdays ago when we were last home. He goes, I swore I saw Doug Deacon when I was walking out yesterday, but he goes, 
he, he was with like a black girl or something. Like, and he goes, I couldn't figure out who it was. So we started making fun of the guy for saying that. We're like, what? Doug Deacon can't be with black women. <laughs> on and on and on. So I text Deke and I go, hey, man, I heard you were at the game yesterday and you didn't tell me. What, I go, what's up with that? And I go, you heard you snuck, you were sneaking around with some black girl. <laughs> um, and I probably should go go to the text so I get this right. <laughs> so at first he says back, F you, <laughs> F you chubs. You don't worry about who I'm with. And you tell that blind son of a bitch that was with you that that was actually um, he goes, that was actually my daughter that was with me. She ain't black. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, the person that told me this, I was like, well, he uh, claims that he's not black and neither is his daughter, but he was here. So being in deep, deep fashion, he texts me back again to tell me that, and I'm looking it up on my phone because I don't want it to be wrong. Um, oh God, I wish I could tell you the one I just got from him a couple minutes ago. Um, he goes, no, he goes, I was with my daughter. I have to check to see if she's black. <laughs> I can't read the rest of it. Uh, <laughs> then he says, then he said, then, then like he said a bunch of other stuff that I, I cannot put on the podcast. But he says, and I said a lot if I can't put it on the podcast. <laughs> then the next part he says is the black chick was Ryan Lindsley's wife. He's a quarterback's coach. Good guy. Side coach team at San Diego State. And I sent back to him, hey, this isn't the filler time on a preseason game. You don't have to give me his background. I fucking know. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. I've completely lost you, Yeah. I've completely lost my train of thought, but that's freaking phenomenal. So um Brian Sipe was there Saturday, as was Tim Couch, which I think is cool. Um, yeah. You know, the Browns, I think, they're, first of all, their social media team has done an outstanding job altogether. But I think it was really cool yeah. to get those two together with Baker, get that picture out. Um, I had a chance to catch up with Tim Couch. Some of our conversation will show up in The Athletic in the coming weeks. Um, I can tell you, you guys, a lot of you guys have probably seen the picture. He's built like a brick shit house. He looks like he can play no kidding. Um, defensive no end kidding. right now. Uh, he's loving life. He's still in Lexington. Um, Can I ask you a question real quick? Did yeah. You, did you, and maybe, and I don't want to get out, if it's in your story, you don't want to talk about it, don't. Um, did any conversation come up about the hefty lefty? Because I know hefty lefty followed him at Kentucky. And yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't ask him about Jared. I didn't. Um, okay. Okay. So we, we were taught one thing I won't talk about is just what's going to show up in the story, but we just talking in general terms and um, you know, he's going to, this is his second year working with Jay Crawford and Dustin and uh, the channel five guys on the broadcasts. He was excited about that. He's done a little of that around Kentucky you know, I don't know exactly. I think he's just kind of invested in some businesses, has done some part-time TV work, and obviously being Tim Couch in Lexington is is maybe not a full-time job, but it's a job, you know, just given his status around there. So uh, one thing he told me is that his kids uh, are old enough to be playing travel baseball. So for those of you directors of player development out there, your kid is not good as good <laughs> as Tim Couch's kid. I just want to assure you that. Um, so get a grip. But, uh, you know, he was very cool. And the last question I asked him, I said, Tim, um, you know, negative or positive, I said, it's been 16 years now since you last played your down, last down on these fields. You know, I said, how, how do you reflect on it differently now than maybe you would have if I'd asked you this question five or 10 years ago? And he's like, man, Zach, you, you killed me here. But uh, <laughs> he just said, you know, that his obvious number one regret is uh, the injury that, that basically set him back. And, you know, the, the series of yeah. injuries – 
obviously knocking him out right. in 2002 when they got hot, but then the elbow that, that kind of led to everything else right. led to him being right. gone. But, you know, he just – at one point he goes, when you look out here right now and you see the talent compared to what we had in 99 and 2000, and he stopped and he was audibly laughing, like at the players that he had to play with, you know. Oh, my but he God. Said, yeah. You know, he basically said, I'm completely at peace with it. It happened. I, I'll always appreciate the Browns for giving me the opportunity. I'll always appreciate – you know, the few stretches of good football that we have. And, you know, he's like, hey, I, I live a good life. I made a lot of money. I, I certainly would have loved to have played for the Browns for a lot longer time. Not cared about the money because it didn't work. And, I, you know, I feel fortunate that I've been able to do what I do and, and I'm welcome back around here to kind of stay in it. So uh, it was really an awesome conversation. You know, I knew Tim back in the day. We were not right. close friends or anything. Uh, but it's it was cool to just hear him say because, as you know, some guys who don't make it uh, in sports to near the levels that Tim Couch did sometimes need that closure or harbor some feelings that yeah. end up not being healthy. You know, so uh, no, no. I thought he was genuine in that, and he's genuinely impressed. And I, I think that's the first thing, guys. If you come to Berea and just look, um, you, you should be genuinely impressed by the talent. Dorsey and crew have done a wonderful job. And, you know, we'll kind of see where it goes. I, I'm not making a big deal of this either way. I think it's notable that Freddie's busting their ass for two hours and 20 minutes every single day. Uh, I don't no think doubt. that will be something that's super popular. I do think that will lead to a situation where you don't see the starters play at all in the first preseason game and maybe very yeah, little over the course of the preseason. I, I think. And, this and that's is, okay. Yeah. And these are my words, not his. I think he'd rather bust their ass on the practice field and control that um, rather than get in a game where A, you can't control it, and B, if a starter gets hurt playing late in the second quarter of a preseason game, Freddie's the biggest dumbass who ever lived, right? If a guy gets hurt Correct. in training Correct. camp, then it's it's one of those things. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, the offense has not been super crisp. Some of that is the defense has been really good. Uh, Miles Garrett looks like he's ready for a big leap. Right. Uh, the secondary, and I some think. Of that is just- and some of that is just football as well. Yeah, Defense yeah. Is always it's ball. football, sure. But I, not taking not taking away from what you're saying at all. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I'll say this: I, I think Freddie would be pleased with one thing. On Saturday, the first day in pads, the defense completely dominated every facet that I watched. And you know, part of that is in the inside run drill. Freddie was yelling out exactly where the play was going, kind of challenging guys it. to say, "Love this is, it. This is yes. about physical dominance. This is not about guessing." Yeah. Right. And so after yes. the defense dominated the pass and the run game, the very first play of inside run on Sunday, uh, the line got off the ball quick. Betonio in particular nailed somebody, and Chubb took off, ran through the first tackle, and took off for about 20 yards. And I thought that he had to be very pleased with that response um, just from a physicality you know, standpoint. So, you know, when you what watch the Odell Beckham. Forever. That's what the Steelers have done forever. Yes. It's how you build the character of your team. That's yes. awesome. Yeah, so when you watch Odell Beckham, he's not a human being. Um, I think the most <laughs> the most passes have gone to Landry, and I think even on the ones they've missed, which in the first couple of days was a good number of those, I think it's encouraging that you would see Baker and Landry, you would see Landry and Freddie immediately coming together. Why did we miss that? You know, what what went wrong here? We, right. we, we have the chemistry. Right. So, again, um, you know, the kickers have stunk. Uh, Chad Thomas made an ass of himself. Antonio Callaway has gotten very little run with the ones. All of that stuff is, you know, let's let's talk in ten days on all of that. Um, right. It's not even right. August yet, so so we'll see. To me, the two most important days of the month are the two days where they go against the Colts because I think you're going to see 
guys, bring it. I know the Colts are a team that's probably a little ahead of the Browns in what they've already accomplished. But I do think they're similar talent-wise. And I do think they're going to go at it there. I don't think if, if I think if they were going to go 60%, that neither team would put in the, the, the trouble no. of doing this. So Right. They I wouldn't think, do it. Right. Yeah. So I think that's going to be really good. And we'll see what happens. Subscribe to The Athletic, listen to the A to Z podcast, and follow along. You got any other Browns questions for me? Yeah. Let me go. Let's go to the Chad Thomas situation because on my uh, reel, um, after I was no longer the Browns sideline reporter, I had to, my, fr- my friend Scott Smoot helped put together a reel for me and TV, just of TV interviews and things like that. And when I used to host training camp daily or I'd fill in as a host for Jim Donovan, like we would go back and forth or whatever. So some days I would do the, you know, the, the interview or whatever else. Sometimes I wouldn't. And I did one with Jerome Harrison. And I'll never forget Jerome and I sitting down. It was like the second or third day. It was from like this time into the training camp. And I remember, you know, kind of asking or saying, you know, how's training camp going? And he was like, training camp, training camp. Every day at training camp's the same. We hate each other. This is just what we go through to get to become a good team. And when I saw the tweets about Chad Thomas yesterday, all I all it took was rub text from Scott Smoot, my boy, and he just sent and he just said to me, Trading camp, trading camp. Because <laughs> 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 that's always been our saying about you know, about this time of the year, that no matter how crazy the story is, no matter how many fights there are, no matter how many fingers are there on, it's just training camp. That's what happens in training camp. But I will say this, I wasn't there. And I know these fans and we keep talking about this. Fans, stop being assholes. If I came to your job and you put too much salt in the fries or you were having a bad day and you slipped on the floor and I started telling you how to work or that I that you wouldn't have a job and you'd be out front, you would flip me off too. I'm not saying Chad Thomas is right. He's wrong. He has to control his emotions. He has to, just like the rest of us. But it doesn't make the fans any better berating and thinking they're better and smarter and the one-hand shit. Just go cheer, man. Stop being dicks. And I say that because I hear you guys in spring training. I hear you during games. You assholes in Kansas City that sit around and you, and you talk bad about players and you say racist shit about players. And then when they come off the field, you tell your little kid, you tell little Susie to ask for a ball from them. I, I know I'm too close to it. I hear it. It's that time of the year for me. I'm just admitting, stop being dicks if you're a fan. You can be a fan. You can cheer for the other team. You can cheer for your team. You can boo the other team without being a dick because at the end of the day i will say this whether you sell cars whether you sell appliances whether you sell being a jehovah witness if you're having a bad day and you know your bad day at work some asshole thinks it's fun to mock you and make fun of you i'm pretty sure half of you guys wouldn't react the right way so stop being dicks and i know i'm only talking to a small percentage of people but you know who you are stop being a dick because i'm gonna start showing up for your jobs in my off season and i'm gonna be a dick and i'm good at it my dad's been calling me a dickhead since I was 12. <laughs> Speaking of dads, mine retired on Thursday. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ridge. Oh, uh, my man, Ridge. And, and, and would Ridge agree with everything I just said there? <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. Um, I thought my, my brother really made me crack up in his tweet when he said Reg retired to spend more time with his children. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was uh, That was pretty good. Um, but, yeah, listen, it's it's a cool moment. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, he never really told me directly until recently. Uh, I would hear from my mom, from my cousin, and I would say – 
and I know I know he's listening here because uh, my mom has taught him how to listen to podcasts. Uh, and he actually, for the first time in his life, has a new car, so he can he can listen via the Bluetooth, uh, which they do sometimes. Like he don't have anything else to do. He is one of those guys that is always working on something. Uh, I'll go over there and he's working right. in the backyard, and I'll be like, "Well, there hasn't been a baseball game back here since 1998, and the dog died like 13 years ago, so I don't exactly what know what there is to do back there." But he finds something to do, right? And he works on our cars, and he uh, works with his parents. And he does all sorts of stuff. And I just thought that, um, you know, it would keep going. So it was funny. Last week, I got back from vacation. It was, you know, kind of a 48-hour scramble drill for me to get, get back into training camp mode, get some things taken care of. And one of those was to get my car worked on a little bit, first by my dad and then up at the shop. They had to do a couple things. So I dropped my car off at the shop right in Manchester. He comes to pick me up to take me home, and we're, we're driving down the road. And I go, so this is it, huh? Two more days of work. And he goes, well, I really haven't been doing nothing for two months. <laughs> he goes, it was time. <laughs> and so I go, well, what are you going to do? And he kind of looks, and we, we pull up to the stop sign there at Center Road, and he looks at me, and he goes, I got no fucking idea. <laughs> so um, I said, all right, that's fair. But, uh, you know, they, they, they go to the, the local private swimming pool. Uh, they go to the rec center. Uh, you know, he cusses at the officials in Brody's conference, so he finds things to do. But it's certainly going to be interesting because he is a guy that has known uh, nothing but work, and uh, I salute to him for uh, entering the next phase and for listening to the A to Z podcast. Absolutely. Yes, Reg, we love you and appreciate you. And uh, anytime a tire goes flat, first thing I think of is 1-800-RIDGE. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's funny because he – in, in early July had said, Hey, you know, before you get back into work mode, just pick a day. I need, I need your car for a couple of hours. I need to do some things to it. So the day before I left for vacation, I was over there and he said, Hey, how about tomorrow? And I said, actually, I'm leaving for vacation at seven in the morning. He goes, all right, well, I think it's good. It's been running good. I said, yeah, you know, I drove to Columbus. I did this. It's been, it's been running fine. So I drove, I think it was 430 ish miles to where I was going about six and a half going on seven hours. And when I got there, I texted him and said, she purred like a kitten and ran like a fucking cheetah. And he wrote right back and said, you're a beauty. So um, car was good. <laughs> Everything's good. Uh, I would be in a ditch somewhere if it wasn't for my parents. I've, he, I've made that clear on the podcast before. So uh, best wishes. And I hope they don't hate each other in three weeks now that they spend most of the day sitting around looking at each other, waiting for us to put yeah. out a new podcast. <laughs> Yeah, but your mom's going to have a hell of a, a fantasy team. Man. She gets ready for the season, I'm sure. I don't know. There's been years that he's barred her from playing fantasy football because she loses her mind off over it. So, Right, great, we'll great. Well, she ain't going to – I don't think he's going to be able to stop her now. She's going to need that fantasy team. She's going to be calling TA to get, uh, get, get – Hey, full, full admission, uh, I caught myself listening to a fantasy podcast last week. I caught myself reading a fantasy article this morning. I'm ready to nerd out. How about you? Yeah, I've read. A, I'll be honest. I've read a couple. Matter of fact, uh, the guys that we're in that league with, um, my buddy Nate, uh, Nate Sailor, uh, put his name out there. You guys have probably heard his, of his cousin, Drew Sailor. They're they're all big time athletes out of the Barberton uh, Norton area. Uh, but now most of them are old and fat, like the rest of us. Amen. But uh, Drew or Nate, uh, who was in, who's the reason we're in this league that we're in because we were in his wedding. I was in his wedding um, ten years ago. And I know it's 10 years ago because we're going to celebrate his, him and his wife's 10-year anniversary, and that's on Saturday. So if I were you, I'd find I would turn my phone off Saturday night because most of our league is going to be together at Nate's, wife, Nate's house celebrating his 10 years of 
of uh, being with his wife, Sarah. So I knew at that point that I better start looking at my fantasy stuff because those assholes will be talking when I see them on Saturday. So, yes, I've looked. And uh, Trevor Barrow throwing the ball 400 feet made me not watch ESPN and read a fantasy magazine on the way home. So thank you, Trevor, <laughs> for all that you've done for me in my life. <laughs> I know I know. we had a group text setting up the draft date. Uh, draft always starts at 8 a.m. Uh, that, yeah. that, that is the worst group text group grouping that we have. Oh, my God. Kidding. It's so bad, isn't it? Uh, oh, my uh, God. But it's that time of the year. I got to admit, it's annoying. But at the same time, I kind of chuckle when I'm like, well, we're back to this. <laughs> last year, the draft starts at 8. Last year, I woke up at 8.07. <laughs> and you weren't the last one there. I don't think I was the last one there, no. Oh, that was uh... we've, had dra- we've, we've had drafts where guys have been in Detroit the night before uh, at an Indians game and then got so hammered that they forgot to show up to the draft. We've had guys in Vegas saying that they'll wake up and we'll, we can call them. And they'll do it over their computer, and we couldn't find them. Uh, we've had we've had we've had blunts rolled and smoked uh, by others before the eight a.m. first uh, first. Yes. <laughs> no. Like, the thing that makes this like... draft unique. Well, there's two things that makes this draft unique. One, who the fuck does a fantasy draft at eight a.m. on Sunday? But two, there's no eighteen kidding. rounds and nineteen smoke breaks involved in this draft. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a draft like no other. We need Jim Hansen. It truly is a draft like no other. I, I, I don't uh, I don't smoke, but I'm high as shit every time every year at this draft. Right. I haven't gone to the draft in the last two years, and I got high. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got a few minutes. Um, I got a couple announcements that I, I've been holding on to, and one's not. Uh, neither one of them I don't think is a huge deal. We'll hear more, but um, I shouldn't say that anyway. So in a few weeks, guys, uh, The Athletic is going to launch a Browns podcast. The details, including the name, the exact format, uh, all that is going to be finalized. I'm going to be the lead person on that podcast. It is not going to interfere with A to Z. Yes, it is going to be behind The Athletic paywall as a way to complement what is already going on. This is a project that's been months in the making. Um, You know, The Athletic, obviously, as most of you guys know, has been growing like crazy. Um, specifically over the last year, I'm, you know, I'm going on two and a half years entering my third season, uh, being there, they, that took a lot of the time, obviously of, of getting it rolling, getting it expanded past the three original cities and all of that. Um, the research says that only a couple of companies make real money on podcasts, but those that do make a whole lot of money on podcasts. So, uh, they wanted to be very, take very patient, very detail oriented and do it right. So that's going to be the plan. Uh, there has been discussion about Andre being involved, about A to Z being involved. <clears throat> um, right now, Andre's I'm coming. Gonna... I'm coming, mama. <laughs> <laughs> Andre's going to uh, do what Andre has to do. Hopefully, past the first few days of October for the Indians, and then we'll see. Uh, will there be a possibility that he'll be involved on the Athletic Podcast? Sure. Is there a possibility that there'll be some A to Z extra at some point down the road? Sure. But right now, A to Z is not going anywhere. Um, it is our goal. Before I throw it to Dre, ideally, we would never take this behind a paywall. You know what? Yes, opportunities, to, yeah. Yeah. What opportunities come over the next few months and years as the podcast business begins to grow? We don't know. I think we've been clearer in the past when we've talked about, you know, what our opportunities are with sponsorships, with doing other things. So we'll see. Uh, it was, well, let me stop right there. Stop okay. right there. I want to ask the question. And then what everything that Zach is saying is 100% true and right. But 
do us a favor, and we and I appreciate you guys. I know Zach appreciates you guys. Do us a favor. You guys know how to reach out to us, even the guys that call me racist and all that other stuff and try to send it to our sponsors. Congrats to you. Um, seriously, on a serious note, whether it be through, you know, Twitter, however you guys follow us, just give us a – to be honest, if we were to go behind the paywall in six months, eight, eight months, a year – or never, just tell us, are you willing uh, with that? How would that affect you? Because we have to find a way as A to Z to fulfill everything. I, I mean, look, we financially, we're both okay. We're doing pretty good for ourselves. But we wouldn't be true blood Americans if we weren't trying to find what's best for us. And if there's some way to be, to be best for us to, to be able to make some money off of something we love to do, we'd be idiots not to do it. So we're not going to sit here and say, if you guys all bitch and say it, no, but give us a true standing. I mean, we've made jokes about other places wanting money for their for their content that's very shallow and not very good. Um, be honest with us. I think the one thing that we've always tried to do is we try to be normal. We try to have conversations amongst all you guys. We make an ass of ourselves for you guys, but this is what we would do with each other anyway. But just give us kind of a, a if, if if something were to come, you know, January one of two thousand twenty. And we said, hey, if you love A to Z, you got to go behind the paywall. Give us an honest assessment of how you would feel about that, please. Yeah, and, and again, I, I think um, we know what some people are going to say, and that's fine. Uh, I think a lot of people right. have embraced the idea that you're just going to pay for content. And I think a lot of people have embraced the idea that The Athletic is absolutely worth the money. And the, the right. podcast, adding each, a podcast or a series of podcasts, as remains the plan, is to make it more worth the money. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, but, again, right now A to Z is not going anywhere. Um, we'll, we'll see how this whole thing turns out. But I just want you to know when, whenever this is released and, and over the coming weeks, we, there will be a logo, there will be a name, there will be ad- advertisements and all that stuff for that. Uh, I just kind of wanted to get that out there in terms of saying this is what it's going to be. It's not going to affect A to Z, um, you know, for a long time, if at all. Uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, when baseball season ends what we can and can't um, do as far as incorporating Andre or, you know, what the next, next step is because we're just launching these and um, you know, we'll see see how it goes. Uh, You know, we're going to launch it at a real interesting time. The Browns play two Monday night games in the first five weeks. So will we have a set schedule? You know, will, will it be me and Tom and Jason all the time? Will it be me interviewing Hollywood Higgins? I don't know. Uh, I'm excited about adding that. And like I said, the athletic has, has, um, done the research and they think this, this is a great way to continue to grow the company and so we will see um where that goes from here um again we have a lot of fun doing this uh, we make a little bit of money after we pay the bills we greatly appreciate our sponsors all of them um the, the deals we've been able to do the fact that we've entertained other sponsors and for whatever reason it hasn't worked part of that frankly is when, when they want 10 podcasts a month and we have baseball season and we have real lives, right. you know, we've, we've been hesitant to follow through. So we do appreciate all of you guys listening, your support, um, your tweeting of the catchphrases. And just, you know, when you tell us <laughs> wait, waiting for another podcast, that's really cool. And that's why we do it. Whether we make two bucks or 200 bucks or eventually 200,000 and live in big, nice houses and just do a podcast every day for our real job. That'd be a lot of fun. Wouldn't and that'd it? be awesome. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. So, be great. We um, just go out the lake and just shoot the shit. It'd be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Here's the second announcement. Uh, okay, go ahead. No, nah, no. Nah, well, give a second announcement. And, and rather doing a congrat or congrats, 
I'm going to give an all-star story um, since we haven't done an all-star uh, uh, pod. I think it'd be fun to do an all-star story for okay. the all-star week. But you go ahead. Go ahead. You go. Okay. Um, I did a book. I wrote a book. Uh, it's been done for the most part for over a month. Gosh, I don't even know what day it is. This is training camp brain. Uh, it will officially training camp. Training camp. <laughs> it will officially uh, be released on October 15th, but it will come out before that. Uh, because everything is sold online now. So uh, it's a collection of 100 Brown stories. Uh, in a way, it's light reading. In a way, it's my life's work, as you know, if you know my background. So I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, whether it's, again, whether it sells two or 2,000 or a lot more, uh, it was a fun experience. It was a challenging experience. It was a great experience for me uh, as a writer. Um, I'm excited to talk more about it. Uh, I promise not to completely drown your Twitter feeds with it, but I am going to ask you to buy it. I am going to do some signings and, and a book release party and all sorts of things. Hopefully we can incorporate some A to Z stuff in there. Uh, it was re- It's not a complete tell-all. There are some stories you haven't heard before. There are some stories you've heard on the podcast and you've laughed at. It's a pretty PG-rated version of things. Um, it, it's not like the athletic where, where we're fine with, you know, use, or the podcast where we're fine with using the F-bomb. <laughs> but uh, it covers a lot. Again, uh, I'm proud of it. I'm excited for it. At this point, I'm nervous as shit, frankly, because you hope the final version only has one or two errors instead of 10 or 12, right? You hope that it does uh, right. sell, you know, when it comes out. So, um, you know, it's not a huge secret. Some people know it will start to kind of hit your uh, social media feeds uh, if you follow me. And, you know, if you're into books and all that stuff over the coming weeks, um, you know, probably more like five or six weeks from now. But I just thought as, as training camp started and everybody kind of shifted back into Brown's mode that this was the time to talk about it. So, you know, Drake, let me tell people this. Let me tell people, let me tell people this. Okay. He's been living in his mom's basement for a long time. Go buy the book so we can get him out of his mom's basement. Come on. <laughs> yeah, so um, Dre knows about it, obviously, because we're we're very close friends. Yeah. Um, but I have not really talked a ton about it with him, honestly. So, no. um, you know, I, you know I will tell you. Weird? You know what's been weird? I've known about it, and I've asked a couple times, and he's gotten weird with me because these writers <laughs> get weird. I always tell you. I, the one thing you guys should know about writers, if you're growing up wanting to be a writer, they can be real cool. They can be in all your business. They can tell you all about who they who – they, I can't even say what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> what, what girl was wearing what when they came to the beach? Would you ask them about something they got in their notebook that they're saving to write? And they act like you try to take their first board from them. And, yes, I'm talking about you, Zach Jackson. And, yes, I'm talking about you, Zach Meisel. So, yes, let it all out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um... – Again, I, I reached out to some some of my former coworkers for the Browns, you know, and it, it, more more than really digging into juicy stuff, we ended up laughing our ass off at about the overall incompetence. Um, one in particular, I was sitting having a beer with somewhere along the, the draft circuit, uh, telling him about the book, and he looked right at me and got, goes, "That sounds like the fucking saddest story ever told." <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, it, there was a point. When I went back, and, and I'm kind of scatterbrained. I've talked a little bit before, if you guys have listened, about my writing process. Um, you know, there were times where I just had to block out hours and do it. But previous to that, I was making myself notes on my phone while I sat in an Uber, while I sat in an airplane. You know, I would start a chapter, uh, you know, during 15 minutes of downtime when I should have been doing something else. I would come back and finish it later. But I, I did, you know, make sure to dig some some funny and positive stories. So, obviously, you're going to see a lot of Joe Thomas, a lot of Phil Dawson, a lot of Josh Cribbs. Nice. 
Um, but yeah, so anyway, we'll talk more about it and we'll sell the shit out of it. But uh, I just you know, kind of wanted to make that announcement here first before we blast it out. Uh, anything else? You, go I'm ahead and ask me if, if anything comes to mind. No. Um, I'm proud of you for uh, doing this. I think this is something that's long overdue. Uh, and hopefully, uh, no offense to the other local writers that have written their rounds books every two years and just regurgitated uh, everything they've written since 1999. No names. Uh, I'm trying to be more of a grown up. But after, as I told you in the last podcast, I get along with everybody except one bald fuck. Um, this hopefully, and not that your book or your writing plays into this, but I think for the city of Cleveland and for Browns fans, I think what you're putting together hopefully is a book of this is where we've been. And hopefully you can write another one in 20 years and you can talk about this is where we went. Um, I hope this is the end of the, of the, of the, I want to use the right word. I hope this is the end of the first leg of the Cleveland Browns as we know it from 1999 that were more joke and more of a, you know, more of a something that we could laugh at than an actual football team. Um, and I just hope this correlates with here's, the first twenty here's the first twenty years of this team being back. We can all laugh and, and cry together, and now we move forward as a professional organization. I think that'll be fun for Cleveland people to look at it this way, uh, rather than having to read a new update of the same thing every five years. Yeah, um, well, I hope to write one before twenty more years. However, I am taking at least a year off. Um, <laughs> it was a process. I did I did hide in the basement a little more than even normal in the winter months, as you know. Uh, but it was fun. It was awesome to. Uh, you know, to get that um, completed and and to go through uh, the day they traded. Why for, now? Why why now? What was it? Yeah, that's a question. Okay, why, so why do you think? No, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, so about a year ago, exactly, someone reached out, and there was an email to my work account that basically said Brown's book project, and it was this time of year where I'm settling back into to working all the time. And I didn't even get to it for a couple of weeks because, frankly, I thought it was someone asking me to help them with their Browns book project, right? So right. Uh, I got back. I, I kind of I got back to the guy. We kind of went through the outline of, of what they were looking for, what they hoped to do, what the timeline might be. I said I'm certainly interested. Uh, it would be my preference to move the timeline up to early nine, early 2019 finish, late 2019 release, because if I wanted to commit to it, I want I kind of wanted to lock in and be able to start on it, right? So um, it's by Triumph Books, which does this uh, for a lot of teams in a lot of different ways. There is actually – they have a Baker Mayfield book coming out um, in the coming weeks, which I'll be glad to talk about. I didn't do that one. But <clears throat> so anyway, we got started. I had to submit a couple of sample chapters, um, dug in, had a lot of fun with it. As I said – you know, started making notes on other things and digging back through numbers and trying to remember old stories and all of that. And then um, I had a March deadline and I was almost done and we drug it out. And the day, Dre, that they traded for Odell Beckham, I think it was a Tuesday. I had, yeah. I had been at a library in Akron from about one o'clock till about seven o'clock, uh, just, just grinding out chapters of the book, you know, just forcing myself to not be distracted, right? And as I drove drove home from that library about 15 minutes from my house, and I don't really live in my mom's basement, at least not currently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Come on, man. We try to sell books, dog. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, when I, it's when I got the call um, that they traded for Odell Beckham, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I hope we just sold a whole bunch more books. And so the first email 
when I got, well, obviously I had emails from my editors and that was a huge story we needed to get on. But later that night I, I emailed my contact at the book company, my editor, my basically hands-on editor and said, well, we need to do a chapter on Odell Beckham because he's an established superstar. This is the biggest trade in franchise history, at least in my lifetime. Right. Um, Mm-hmm. More darn close, and I know some people argued with that. So uh, it was cool. It, it it really is focused on the 20 years of the new Browns. Obviously, there are stuff that you can't tell the story of the Browns without Paul Brown, Jim Brown, Bernie Kosar, Lou Groza, things like that. But a lot of that was before my lifetime or before I was old enough to appreciate that. I tried to not just present numbers. I wanted to tell stories. So I'm qualified to tell stories about Tim Couch and Derek Anderson and Gerard Warren and Eric Mangini, right? So um, – it, it, it was it was really cool to do that, to to sit down and say how do we get to a hundred stories is a grind, uh, and that, and I think that'd be the same even if it was a good a good good twenty years, <laughs> right? right? For sure, um, for sure. You know, space some things out, stretch some things out. Called Tim Couch, called Dave Zastadil, called Phil Savage. You know, um, you know, checked in with some people. So so it was cool. So I hope the finished product again will be clean and good, and I hope that uh, you'll all buy it for all your stepchildren uh, this Christmas season. Yeah, uh, they will. And they better. Otherwise he will be living in his mom's basement one way or the other. Um, do you see this as something you're as a writer? And I'm, I'm curious as to this, and I have held back a lot of these questions because I wanted you to actually get it done. Um, I didn't want you to have like a half a book done because I'm, I'm working on something too, but I, I but I, ha- I like, there's times where, like I want to write, I want to do documentaries. I'm serious about it, but we'll get back to that. And I got a plan for my first one, but I'm not going to reveal it. Um, I guess is, I know you've always wanted to write books, and this one works and fits. Is it something now that you've done it that you feel like you can do in between seasons now all the time on different subjects if it came, or is this just something you're you're going to wait back and we'll see how it goes? You know that that's an interesting question because. Uh, me being the ADD poster child, even though I'm 50 years old, um, <laughs> I've always tested by this schedule, you know, um, mm-hmm. by by really working from wherever I am, not going to an office, not having an eight to five, right? Not having set hours. Um, part of me thrives on that. I, I would not be able to deal with, with that because that's just right. how I'm wired. But part of me, you know, actually getting down and digging in and carving out time when I'm not checking college basketball scores or texting you or scanning Instagram or just in general pissing an hour on the way in the morning because I'm lazy or because I'm easily distracted, right? Uh, that's, a, that's a challenge for me when I'm not writing a book. And so when I need to do 20 chapters in three days and I also have to catch a flight, also have to uh, do an interview, also have to do this, it really was uh, <laughs> an incredible challenge of discipline and a test of of patience and of poise and of time management. So yeah, I w- would I love to do it again? Do I plan to? Yes. W- was that one of the ultimate goals from this is to, to spin it forward? Sure. Um, but we'll see. And this January, whether I'm covering a playoff team or not, uh, I certainly plan to uh, enjoy some time of not being buried in um, pro football reference and Gerard Warren stories. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, there were days uh, Sundays, I, the Akron U library uh, opens at 12 o'clock and I would go there with two computers and one would be, you know, to, to keep pages open of, of checking 
you know, names and years and stats and draft choices. And then all of a sudden I'd find myself watching college basketball on that, you know, and then I'd have three chapters started at once and I'd find myself outside texting, uh, taking a cigarette break, even though I don't smoke, (laughs) you know, Um, know, then it'd be nine o'clock. And sometimes I'd be like, man, I am so glad I locked in today and, and got, 9,000 words written. And then some days I'd be like, Oh my God, I cannot believe I sat in a library for seven hours and wrote one and a half chapters <laughs> because I'm so right. distracted. So, so yeah, it was, it was very challenging from that regard. And I do, um, you know, I look forward to even if only six people show up doing the signings and kind of celebrating it a little bit and trying to get it out there because I think it's going to be cool. Um, and, are you going to do go to all the bars on first lakes? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to tell you this. Yeah. I, I got some paperwork okay. to get signed. The unveiling is not going to be at some random Barnes and Noble at Cracker Park, right? It's going to be at a bar. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. That's what I love. Man, please have a day where I've been tired. I got to show up to this shit. I got I to gotta bring my uncles with me. I got to bring <laughs> – Well, the timing – it's going to come down to timing, Dre, because the even though I'm going to have them in September and even though they're going to be available um, online in September – at some point, the official release date is October 15th. So if the okay. Indians are done, then you'll be there. If not, then you probably will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. Cannot wait. It's yeah. So there, cool like I said, there, there's a website, and um, I've been, you know, going down the pipeline of of getting the books to people that will write about it or talk about it on their podcasts or have me on their podcasts. You know, uh, I was at a birthday party the other night and someone came up and said, so nice to meet you. I heard, you know, Jeremy and Akron. And I said, I can't wait to go on his podcast and sell my book. I knew I'd made it in life. When uh, that conversation happened. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, I've, it's had it, I, I've had him on mute. I'm sorry. And I like, <laughs> I know. And, and like literally and literally like football season makes me remember all the people I've muted. And I'm like, well, I think I can get through football season without them. Get me the book before the season's over, so when on a trip I can read it and I can actually interview you. On yeah, no, you, you know you'll be on way. that. You know you'll be on that initial list. So uh, it's been cool for, you know, like some of my older friends that you know I go way back with that now live in other cities that that I've told just in the times we've been able to catch up in the summer on text and they've come back and said, hey, you know I'm going to need four copies from my coworkers are excited about or my, you know my buddy wants to send one to his kid at college. And it's funny, last year uh, I was talking to a class in your neighborhood over at Highland. Yeah. And uh, it was a sports history class, and so I was just kind of talking about what I do and, you know, the 20 years of the Browns. And, and uh, my, my friend who's the teacher who set it up said, you know, Zach is doing a book, so if you guys want to ask him any questions about that process or whatever. And a kid raised his hand and said, you know, tell me your best Peyton Hillis story. And that, like, that shifted oh. my thinking. Like, I could not wait to get out of there and make sure – that Peyton Hillis got his right. due in the thing. Because really, when you think about the shit show that it's been for 20 years, like there's things that get lost, right? And so, no doubt. No doubt. Again, there's like so that, much to 20. You missed up. I'm sure I'll read the book and I'll say, what about this, this, and exactly. this? Not putting it down. No, but it's just that do. much has happened. The, the, the fear of like a bad typo in the wrong place or fear of just missing something that should have been there is there. And, and, and like, it was so when I was done, I wasn't really done because there were revisions, there were additions. Hey, you know, move, move this here. Let's, let's prioritize this over this, you know, the whole kind of background process, but like being done and being numb for two and a half days because I had done nothing but stare at the computer, you know, uh, even more so than normal. That part was really like, Whoa. And, uh, then it's like, that turns into, Honestly, like waking up at 5 a.m. to piss and check my texts <laughs> and then staying up the rest of the time because I'm worried that I missed something in the book. <laughs> it happened. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's 
I, that's a process that I, I, I can only imagine. Uh, as I I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. Um, and to be honest, is I'm going I'm to take a Trevor Bowerism. Um, the more you do, the better for our brand. So way to uh, move our brand, the A to Z brand, <laughs> forward. Uh, unfortunately, we're tied at the knot. I went on the Dairy Brothers podcast last night on the way home. I had agreed to do it way before Trevor Bauer decided to launch like balls like he was NASA. Um, and I told them something that I, that I truly mean. I said, I love that two brothers are doing a podcast. I go, but I've been doing a podcast with my brother for a long time. He just didn't get to pick me. Pigmentation. Only one of us has a dad named Reggie. (laughs) Yeah. Only one of us is named Jackson. Both of us show up late. That's all all you need to know. Um, But no, no, I'm happy for you. I'm proud for you. And hopefully, um, and I mean this, and I hope people out there that want to do things like we're doing, I will understand what I'm saying. Um, I love seeing Zach do something like this because I know that he's he's well prepared. He can do it. He can tell the stories, uh, and he should because there's a lot of people that steal money writing bogus books that are in Walmart parking lots. Um, and if your book ever ends up in the Walmart parking parking lot, I'll make sure AJ picks it up and throws it in the trash can. <laughs> but I want to, and, and I shouldn't go too far with this, and I won't. You and I have discussed this. I've discussed it with other people, uh, but I'm getting closer. Matt Underwood is kind of pushing me. Um, and we have a sales thought process and, and we, I want to, we want to do local documentaries on guys that you guys know or don't know that we could put some video together and videography and, and, and do it right. Um, we want to do our own for, I hate to say it this way. Uh, but like I said, Matt Underwood is pushing me because he's put out, he put out his 1981 documentary. Um, and he's kind of showed me the process of that. We already have kind of some ideas that we want to do our first one on. But it is the next step I want to take. I want to start making documentaries, and I want to do them locally, um, some 30-for-30-type 30 30 documentaries. So hopefully seeing Zach grow the brand will help push me grow the brand in my offseason. Uh, so I got some other things going on, but that's seriously something I want to work on this offseason, no matter what happens in the baseball team. So hopefully, um, you know, come April is when I would like the first one to come out. Um, hopefully we'll have something cool come then. So eat up the book, take the book. I'll tell a quick story. This is a longer podcast than usual because we got we just had a ton of stuff to get to. Um, I, I, we were going to do an all-star pod. I don't know if we'll have the chances to, uh, but I figure I'll just mix in a story here and there as we go along. Um, the home run derby was one of those one of those nights, and our and with this podcast, you guys can go back and you can hear me, you know, go. Ah, I don't want to be around the crowd. It's just like just like uh, training camp. I'm excited. My kids want to go. I played the old. The old buffoon, I'll admit. So I ended up working for Channel 8, Fox 8 locally. Uh, did some work for them. Uh, shout out to John Tellers and all the people that I worked with, Monica and, and everybody that I worked with. They were so cool to work with. Uh, they took care of me. Um, Nick Kovach, I give love to you. Best dressed producer in the game. And Nike Ficiano, uh, uh, which matters to me. Uh, and so I was already there. And I told myself, you know, I'm going to add work early in the morning. But I told myself, I'm going to stay, I'm going to watch Carlos Santana hit, and then I'm going to go home. That really didn't happen. I um, had a way to be in a suite that was right behind home plate. And now that I can tell the story now, because hopefully enough time has passed and nobody can find the video. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Clevenger gets there. Uh, Police sack gets there. And they're up in a suite, like an Indian suite. You know, like the, the team had a suite. And, you no, know, it's for some of the, you know, people that, you know, some of the, the you know, sales people were there. 
there and some of their clients were there. And it was kind of a way, well, if you're in town, um, if you're in town, you, you know, as a player, like if you really want to come to the events, if you want to show up for your players, we have this suite where we'll have some of the, you know, some of our high, you know, some of our high end people. So I see a picture on Instagram. I'm down in the lower one with, with somebody else. And I text club and I'm like, Hey, um, how long are you going to be up there? I'm going to come up to your suite. And then he, he sees a picture that I have. And where I'm at, and he goes, "Fuck that! I'm coming where you are." <laughs> so, so <laughs> and because literally, I'm in a suite right behind home plate, but it's a suite. It's not. It's one that you can't. You only see out of half of it unless you're six foot four, like he is. Um, it's a suite where basically all the ads run during a game or during the home run derby, and how they set it up. And I know the people that do that, so I was just kind of sitting there for a couple minutes, shooting the shit, you know, just talking. And was like, "All right, I'll watch, you know, Lowe's from here." And the club is like, no, I want to watch Los from where you're at. Um, became just one of these cool moments, cool nights. And I'm only telling this story because I think it plays into who this team is um, in the long run. I won't get into everything that we that we did. But so Clev comes down. Um, he has Plesak with him. He has Cam Hill with him. And Cam Hill is a guy that you guys will get to know. He's a relief pitcher in the Indian system. He's at Columbus now. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery, but there's a chance you'll see him this year. That was 97, 98 miles an hour. Um, Tito loved him. Tito compared him two years ago to Cody Allen. So just remember the name Cam Hill. He may help this team this year. So they're all together. And I hadn't seen Cam since spring training. And I think I, to piss off Clev, I was like, hey, man, I go, I didn't text you to talk to, to talk to you and see what you're doing. I go, I want to see what's up with Cam. And he's like, Cam ain't even a big leaguer. And I was like, that's not the point. Cam's my guy. <laughs> so we run through everybody else. I get them down in the suite we're at. We have a couple beverages because we're adults. And, you know, we're we're just having fun and we're watching the home run derby. But the best part about this is all these all-stars, suddenly as they're getting ready to go up and hit in the home run derby, and suddenly as they're like, you know, during the timeouts, they got like high school kids hitting home runs. Recognizing Clevenger and Plesak, and they're like, what are you doing? And, like, Marcus Stroman comes over, and he was like, man, Clev, I love your hair. I love your style, man. You, you, you got too much style, man. You got too much flow. And, he, and, and, and it's just cool to hear these players, like, acting like this. Like, they're normal guys. So, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is getting ready to come up for the home run derby. And, like, this is, like, second round or whatever. And by this point, my wife was like, I thought you were coming home. And I was, and I was like, I am. She goes, I see you sitting behind home plate. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I am. So Ronald Acuna Jr. is getting ready to come up. And Clev uh, yells out to him. He's like, hey, man, I'm a big fan, man. I love how you swing it, man. You, you, you're, the, you're the shit. He goes, go out and win this motherfucker. Then we're going to see you in the World Series. I'm going to shove it up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was the best. And, like, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude, chill out. And, and he's looking at me. He was like, he goes, he goes. I'm a big fan of him. He goes, but if we see him in the series, I'm shoving. <laughs> so that was like the whole night. And then as the night went along, and this is the part I truly wanted to tell. Um, the rest of it I could never tell on, on podcast form or anywhere else. But we saw on the jumbotron that Cookie was there, and I, by now everybody knows what's going on in Cookie's situation. Um, I think mean, he's going to pull through. I know Jim Donovan has reached out to me and told me. You know, hey, what Cookie's going through, I went through. If you need somebody to talk to, please connect us. And I'm working on doing that because I worked with Donovan when he was going through the same exact thing uh, that Cookie's going through. And for a young group of guys, 
Like Mike Clevenger, no matter what his age, young. Cleese X, 24, 23. Cam Hill, 23, 24. Um, they showed me another side of them and why this team has a chance to be good. And I don't get into hokey stuff, and I'd rather break down pitch counts and things of that nature. But as soon as they saw Cookie was in the building, um, Cookie was sitting with a couple of his lawyers. He was sitting with his wife. And Clev instantly looked at me, put, put our cups down, and he said, Dre, he goes, you know this ballpark better than anybody else. Fine, go, let's go find Cookie and bring him down here. He goes, I just want him to know that we care about him and that I'd rather him be with us than fans and people just bothering him. And literally, like, all of our fun stopped. And he was like, call Cookie, text Cookie. Like, we were all texting him, all calling him. And I go, wait a minute. And this tells you how good we were feeling. I go, wait a minute. He's sitting right above us. He's, like, right behind home plate. So I, that was, so we walk out, Clem and I walk out, and we see him. And, and and he goes, Cookie, Trey's coming to get you. You're coming down in the suite with us. Bring your wife. And I just saw one of the most surreal moments of just, just teammates. And I've seen everything from from Sean Smith uh, yelling at Braylon Edwards and, and, and Phil Dawson breaking up the fight on a plane in front of a bunch of sponsors that were giving millions of dollars to the Browns, to seeing teammates mess with each other's water and see teammates mess with each other's stuff and freeze their clothes. Um, to the best teammate moments that I probably think I'll ever see, where I saw those guys make sure that we got them in the suite. And as soon as we got in the suite, Mike Clevenger and Plesak put their arms around Cookie and hugged, and we almost all had tears in our eyes. And basically, Clev said, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, hey, man, fuck baseball. I'm your brother. I'm part of your family. You don't have to call me. You don't have to, you don't have to call me about baseball. You don't have to text me about baseball. If you wake up and you just don't like how you're feeling that day and you don't like what's going on, I'm always here for you to just go to lunch with. If you just want to go get coffee, if you just want to go talk about our kids, please don't forget how how much we're here for you. Um, and he and it was it was one of those moments where it was like, all right, this beer is pretty good, but I think I got something in my eyes. <laughs> like it was so I like I just wanted to tell that story because to me, um, Mike Clevenger is not a perfect human being. Uh, neither is Andre Knott. Neither is Plesac. Neither is Cam Hill. Um, but they have, and I'm not putting myself in their same oak, but their hearts are pure and genuine. Uh, and I think what that moment and that story I just told tells you a lot about why this team is, uh, is playing the way that they are. Uh, it's why this team will come to the park tomorrow probably, and everybody will be on the mound throwing the ball over center field wall to make fun of Trevor Bauer. Um, there's a close-knitness about this team that's really cool. And I, it, unfortunately, um, it's probably take, it didn't just take Cookie getting sick and having leukemia, but in those moments, in the moments where we were laughing our asses off, having the best time of our life, I got to see the true side of some of these guys, and I think that matters when they play at 7 o'clock every night. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, I'm getting called right now, and it's somebody we've talked about on the podcast. So I got to go. Thank you, American Fireworks. Uh, thank you, Scene, Honeymoon Girl, all you guys for listening. Sorry for the short ending. We got to roll. See you.